to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. We are so glad that you joined us today. This is Karen, and I'm here with my husband, the lead pastor of High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And you have tuned in today to a continuing series we're doing on the subject of mentoring. And we have two really specific questions that, as we've kind of talked big picture in some of our recent episodes, we're really narrowing down to some really nitty-gritty information in the next couple of talks that we will share with you and conversations that we will have. Before we jump in, though, Chris, I want to kind of help us all get on the same page. And as we've talked about mentoring For some, it's a very familiar concept. And if you've been in a church or had it in a professional setting, that's maybe a word that you're comfortable with. But there are plenty of people that mentoring seems really formal or really foreign. So can you help us first to maybe see how sometimes this just happens organically and naturally? And we probably have all had this at some point or another in our lives. What does that look like in most people's lives? For most people, they are familiar with the word and they understand the concept of mentoring. But most people don't believe that they have been personally mentored or that they have mentored somebody else. And so sometimes it's helpful for us to look at kind of some of the informal expressions of mentoring. When you look back over the course of your life and you say, you know, has someone mentored me? Then it may not always be in the one-on-one You know, we're going to define how we do this. But it is looking back and say, who are the people who have made a significant impact upon my life? Who are the people who have left a lasting impression upon my life? And then there are some people out there that I was going the wrong direction. They were kind of that stop sign in the road. And they were that expression of redirecting my life. And they redirected me from the wrong path to the right path. And so there's all different types of mentoring. Sometimes we can see it better in the informal expressions than we can the formal expressions. I think about my own experience, and I would say I've never formally been mentored. But when we think about it in that context, how many women have come to me, maybe when we're teaching on this concept and we're trying to encourage women to pour into other women, and they'll be like, I wish someone would do that for me before I go ahead and do it for them. And I do think looking at that informal method really does help shape the validity and the importance of how people have strategically been used, even in an informal way in our life. And sometimes when we define mentoring, we define it in such a big expression that we neglect the important expressions that are smaller. Even though they're smaller doesn't mean they're less significant. And so you even look back upon your life and you say, who was the person or who were the people who were primary in leading me to Christ? You know, who are the people who played a a relational role in that, who invested in me? Maybe even you go back before that. Who were the people that cared enough to even invite me to church? Or who were the people that I was in a small group with them or I was in some type of Sunday school class with them? And then you you look again and, and you say, there was someone that was serving and was leading me, and I was a part of this ministry. And as I look back, I realized just how much they influenced me. And it was indirect influence in the sense that we didn't sit down one-on-one. Now, we're going to talk about that, and that's a part of it. But it's helpful at times for us to go back and remember some of the things that we've said in our previous sessions, that programs don't change people. 
people change people. But God uses the programs to connect people with people. And it's through those programs that people can build enough of a relationship through these smaller expressions of mentoring to actually enter into a formal expression of mentoring. As I just said, I've never been formally mentored. That is true in the context of someone taking me through books of the Bible or taking me through scripture. But I think another way that people can maybe look back and in hindsight realize that God has used other people to mentor them. You referred to it as a stop sign, but maybe those places that you just kind of hit some crossroads in your life and were struggling. A lot of times we will turn and look for help. And it's those people that, that the Lord brings into our path to help us navigate a particular season that would we could in some ways say was an informal mentor. For me, I remember when we lived in Ohio and we had Mark, our son at the time when we moved up there was 13 or 14 months old. Just a few months later, we welcomed our daughter Annika into the world. And here I was, the mother of a toddler and a newborn. And that was a brand new experience in a city without any family and just starting over for us. And that, for me, I remember feeling like, man, I don't want to mess this up and I need some help. And the Lord brought Barb McGear into my world. And she did, specifically in the area of motherhood, she would be someone that I would say, yeah, she really did mentor me and help me just kind of navigate through that season of being a new mom and transitioning into that new role. In the same way, when I look back over my life, there were people who weren't believers but also played a mentoring role in my life. They were people who were a step or two or a stage or two ahead of me, and they just simply had lived life longer than me. They had learned from their previous mistakes. They maybe had expertise in a particular area. And I think about specific coaches that I had that I can look back and go, you know, they really mentored me. I think back about a man named Buck Buchanan. Not only was he a coach, but was kind of a father figure and played a mentoring role and came alongside of me and helped me think in the world of leadership and helped me think in the world of how to conduct myself in a professional or in a business setting, things like that. So there are these influential people in our lives that enter into our life at specific seasons and they play specific roles that sometimes we're not even aware of it in the moment. But yet, as we look at it, we think, wow, they really help shape who I am in this particular season. And I would just want to encourage any of our listeners, whether you're listening because you're trying to gain some knowledge to become a mentor or maybe just to decide that, do I need a mentor? That maybe in looking back and seeing this kind of informally, that that would give you some food for thought. But as we transition to really talk more, Chris, about this formal idea of mentoring, why would you say to somebody who's listening out there, they should go? to the trouble of finding a mentor. Everybody has so much to do. What is the reason why someone should find a mentor? Well, as we think about those reasons, we'll talk about three specific reasons. But you know, let's remember the model. Obviously, that model began with Jesus, and it began with him coming alongside of and mentoring his disciples. But we also see another picture of that in Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. One of the reasons why we need people in our life, the first reason, is that mentors focus on strategic growth. And when I think about that, 
in that model of Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. What Barnabas did is he saw Paul as someone who had incredible ability. Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was as elite in Judaism as he could possibly be. But yet Christ reveals himself to Paul on the Damascus Road, and Paul becomes a believer So Paul has all this amazing knowledge of God from his Jewish context and understanding. And Barnabas comes alongside of Paul and mentors him. And so one of the reasons why we need a mentor is Barnabas saw an opportunity for strategic growth in Paul. And Barnabas was able to accelerate what God wanted to do in Paul's life. In doing so, Barnabas looked at his life and really saw specific areas that he could help Paul in in the strategic growth. And and when we think about that, I want us to think about three areas. Oftentimes, mentoring will focus on our spiritual life, our walk with God. Another area of mentoring is our relational life. Maybe, as you mentioned earlier, as a new mom, mentors will help us in our marriage relationship. They'll help us in our parenting relationship. They might help us in professional relationships or friendships. And then a third area that mentors often help us is in our professional relationships. So when we think about mentoring, it's not someone that is always capable of mentoring in all three of those areas at the same time. It's different mentors who come into our life to mentor us for a season in a specific area. It's the rare and the unique find to find someone who is experienced enough and knowledgeable enough and just proven enough to be able to speak with wisdom and expertise in every area. It cannot be overstated how important it is that we are intentional. That's what the mentoring piece does in my mind is all of us have great intentions. All of us want to be more spiritually mature than we are. All of us want to be healthier in our relationships than we are. All of us want to live out all of our potential in a professional setting and those types of things. So the intention's there for all of us. But when you take that step to bring a mentor into your life, you are giving them permission to speak into your life in such a way that in some ways it's carving out time on your calendar to say, I'm going to do something more than just get through this day. I'm going to look big picture. I'm going to take steps forward in these major areas of my life that are so important, yet we don't spend that much time on in a proactive way. Mentoring requires some humility. It requires for you, the person who is needing to be mentored, to say that spiritually, when I look at that area of my life, who are the people who are more mature? Who are the people who are walking with God in a more faithful, more consistent way? And what do I need? What can I learn from them? What spiritual disciplines do they have that I don't have that they could help me with? And the exact same thing is true relationally. How healthy is it for us to evaluate our relationships and say, okay, my marriage relationship is a B minus right now. But as I look around and I look at my friends or I look at my small group or I look at, you know, people in the life of my church, you know, who has a strong marriage and who could help me evaluate my marriage and grow relationally? And the exact same thing is true in the workplace. Oftentimes this happens in a more 
structured or formal way in the workplace just because kind of the boss and, you know, the employee relationship, the different tiers that exist there. It's simply us looking and saying there's a certain humility that is required for me to say that I have strengths and weaknesses and I want to continue to improve my strengths, but I also need to address my weaknesses. We have just stated maybe the first reason, why should we add one more thing to our radar screen to find a mentor? And that's because it helps us to focus on these really critical parts of our lives that we all desire to move forward in. But a second reason that we want to talk about is that a mentor also provides a model for us to follow. Tell us a little bit about that, Chris. Well, when you think about that model, And this is obviously always true biblically. We go back to the person of Jesus, right? He is the model that God has given us through the incarnation where the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He gives us a visual picture. It's not just us receiving the teachings of someone through the ages. It's us being able to look at his life and see what model did he choose in order to develop people? What model did he choose in order to change the world? And there were times that he taught the large groups, right? But that wasn't the primary model. The primary model was that he built relationships with 12 men, and he chose to change 12 men who would then go and change other men. And he chose to reproduce himself in these men. One of the ways that I like to say that is that God always uses a person to make Christ personal. That's that incarnational part of the ministry. We really see that in a couple different verses here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, this is perhaps maybe the best picture slash definition of mentoring. It says, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Christ is the original model. And then here's Paul saying, imitate me in the way that I imitate Christ. We know that if you're going to imitate someone, then you've got to spend time with someone. And the more you spend time with someone, there are intentional ways that you imitate them. And then there are these unintentional ways that you just become like them and you begin to pick up their mannerisms and you even begin to pick up some of their sayings and phrases and you just become like them through the amount of time that you spend together. This number two, a mentor provides a model to follow. What we're really seeing there is that model is the life of Christ with his disciples And then we see Paul take that model. We said this earlier with Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. We see that Barnabas is perhaps the unspoken hero of the New Testament because he is the one that took the risk to mentor Paul. And in that process, not only did he mentor Paul, but then at some point he let Paul become the leader. He even positioned Paul in such a way that he saw Paul's strengths and kind of set him free to go be the leader. That's one of the ultimate expressions and definitions of success in this mentoring. Well, I don't know if you meant to or not really let us into the third reason why somebody would go to the trouble of finding a mentor. And it's modeled in this very relationship between Barnabas and Paul and this letting go. Share with us what that third reason is. The third one is this, a true mentor always creates a mentor. Now, here's another way to say it. There isn't success without a successor. So when you think back to Moses, 
God did not allow Moses to go into the promised land. But because Moses had been mentoring Joshua, then God passed the baton from Moses to Joshua, and Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land and conquered the promised land and defeated the enemies in the promised land. The most biblical picture of this is 2 Timothy 2.2. It says this, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and so there's large group teaching, right? He says, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So another aspect of this is we don't ever want to invalidate the importance of programming. We've said that programming doesn't change lives, but people change lives. But there are certain programs in the sense of a class for new believers or a small group or or something of that nature. But here's what happens is you can grow people from being a baby Christian into different expressions of faithfulness and develop a faithful man or woman kind of to build the basics, the fundamentals into their faith. You can do that through some of these classes, through some of these curriculums, but then to take that faithful person and to accelerate them and to cause them to go further, faster. Oftentimes that's where a strategic mentor comes in place, can narrow the focus and then helps them develop as a leader, as a servant. In that process, they're reproducing themselves because a true mentor always creates a mentor. And there's no success without a successor. We see that expressed maybe the best in athletics, in the coaching world. There's so many times that when we think about great coaches, the John Wooden, well, how many coaches were assistant coaches under John Wooden and then became their own head coach? That's another expression of this principle that a true mentor always creates a mentor. I hope that we have stirred some thoughts that would really help people to move from thinking, yeah, maybe I should, to no, I really want to make this a proactive decision to find a mentor. But then that leads us to our second question and where we'll spend the remainder of our time is how do you even begin that process? I mean, it's not like people walk around with the title mentor on them to go, oh, you're one of those. Would you come mentor me? What would you recommend? The way that you find a mentor is, again, it goes back to humility. You have to know what your needs are. You have to know where are the areas in your life where you're not as strong as you want to be. Where are some areas in your life that are less developed? Where are some areas in your life that maybe you have a need? And I would recommend that you look at five primary areas in your life. You know, your relationship with God, your family, your health, leadership slash career, your professional life, and your friends. And you would say, okay, as I look at those five areas, who do I know that is strong in those areas? And how could somebody come alongside of me and help me develop in one or two of those key areas in this particular season of my life? So that first one, the way that we find a mentor is we have to know what we need. You identify the need that you have. And then you start looking for someone that has a strength in your area of weakness. Is that a good way to think through that? Absolutely, because that mentor is someone that you look up to. And the reason why you look up to them is because you want to become like them in that particular area. So as you do that, you're simply saying that person has something I don't have and I want it. So what kind of qualities do you want to look for in a mentor? We're looking for someone that builds relationships. 
if you're going to spend time with someone, typically in a one-on-one setting or sometimes a one-on-two or one-on-three, if you really get larger than that, then it's, it's hard to meet the needs of everybody. But that person is going to be someone who loves people. It's going to be someone who cares about people. It's someone who, yes, they may be capable of teaching in large group settings. And yes, they may have other skills, but they love to listen. You know, not only listen, but then they love to get specific and take the truth that they know that they could teach in other environments and other settings and with other opportunities, but then get specific to who you are and how to apply that truth to your life. So a mentor must be willing to give of himself or herself to another person. They're generous people. They're giving of their time. There's nothing more important than our time. And a mentor is someone who's committed to your growth in helping you realize your life goals. And so they get their greatest satisfaction out of watching you succeed. It's just like the parenting relationship. And just to clarify, we're not saying that every mentor possibility is an outgoing personality. It is really just their heart. You're looking for someone who has a heart to invest. They can be introverted. They can have any different type of personality. But really what we're coming down to is that they are strong in the area that you're weak and that they are willing to invest invest in you, that they see something in you and they're willing to be a giver. This is a season that they're willing to give. What would be another quality that we would want to look for in a possible mentor? Well, the third one you just stated, you said someone who's willing to invest in you. And that's exactly what we're looking for. Mentors are people who look at you and say, you know what, if someone came alongside of that person and if someone invested in that person, then I believe there's incredible potential there. And so they believe that they're going to invest because there's going to be return on that investment. So a mentor is someone who's willing to put him or herself on the line to help you become the man or woman of God that God created you to be. And when we think about that, the mentor is someone who sees potential in you and just begins to salivate at the opportunity to develop your potential and to set you free. A mentor is always someone who believes in you. They have this incredible belief in who you can become, and they're just driven to get that out of you. Before we wrap up for today, there's one other element that I think is so important for us to consider when we're trying to target a mentor, and that is their ability to diagnose your needs. What does that really mean, Chris? Well, this is like one of the most critical pieces. Because all of us have blind spots, and we need people in our life to see what we cannot see. And in that regard, there are people that they need to speak the truth in love to us, and we need to give them permission to do that. I've heard it said this way before. A good mentor knows when to use a Band-Aid and when to use a scalpel. All right? (laughs) I have referred to this many times before. Clyde Cranford was my mentor And my nickname for him was the bomber because he would drop the bomb on me. Now, that's an affectionate nickname. And he would love me in the process and through the process. But he definitely diagnosed my needs and would speak God's truth to me. And if you're going to invest the time and you want somebody to make that investment in you, really, you have to be willing 
and find somebody who is going to speak that truth in love. So we're out of time for today, and we hope that this has been really helpful to stimulate you to think about, maybe I need to go and ask the Lord where He is directing me to find a mentor. For more information, please check out highpointmemphis.com, or you can follow either one of our blogs at chrisconley.net or Karen with an I, Conley.com. But whatever you do, we want you to do this today. Remember, it is as simple as love God plus love people equals love works. 